welcome back. And if you're new to my podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, have you ever been in a position where you feel like you're struggling with some motivation? Like you know you want to do the thing, but you just don't seem to have the get up and go to get it. And, and it's driving you a little bit crazy. Perhaps you're wanting to get back in shape or lose a few pounds or dial in your finances, but you just can't seem to get enough oomph, as my mom would say, to make that happen. Or maybe you've been wanting to start your own business or side hustle, but for some reason, your motivational energy keeps stalling out. Does that sound a little familiar? Let's talk about that today, but before we do, please let me introduce myself. Hi there. My name is Dr. Kelly Ray, and I'm a mindset coach, counselor, notably known as the Inner Critic Tamer, and I am super passionate about helping others just like you and me who have gone through some things, had some bumps in the roads, and we don't necessarily like to talk about it, but we know we want to do better because it not only improves the quality of our lives, but those around us. I'm obsessed with teaching others how to tame their inner critic, that inner childhood conditioning, or as I'd like to say, undo some of that crap that may have happened to you and continues to sometimes keep you stuck or trip you up or hold you back or in this case, keep you from being motivated to do the thing that you want to do and teach you how to heal from it in order to live the vibrant life that you were designed to live. I know that may be hard to believe, but you are. We all are. We're all designed to live a pretty amazing life if we want to choose to do that. And during this episode, I want to talk about things that drain your motivation and more importantly, how to revive it, how to come back from that. Look, motivation is central to creativity, productivity, and happiness. Motivation is what causes us to act. And when we act, we create movement, growth and change. We feel involved, masterful and significant. We feel powerful through experiencing how we can change the world. And we create more of what we love in our lives. And all of this gives our lives purpose. And in that we feel happiness. So let's talk about demotivation at the moment. Demotivation is like snow. It's said that Eskimos have multiple words for snow. It's so familiar to them, they can appreciate the subtle differences between the varied types. These distinctions let them respond differently to different types of snow, depending on the challenges and opportunities that each particular type of snow presents. Most of us have just one conception of demotivation, which means that whenever you're unmotivated, you're likely to assume that you're struggling with the same problem. The truth here, demotivation is a category of problems containing many variations. When you have just one kind of demotivation, you'll apply the same old strategies whenever you feel unmotivated. For many people, these strategies look like this. Set goals, 
push harder, create accountability checks that will push you and run your life using to-do lists. These strategies are ineffective with most types of demotivization. And, and in some instances, they can even make you more unmotivated. At its essence, demotivation is about not fully committing to act. And there are many reasons why you might be in that position. Having more ways to categorize your demotivation will help you identify the real reasons for your unwillingness to move forward. I don't know about you, but that's kind of freaking cool. Then you can pick up the right tools and strategies to help you get motivated again. Who wouldn't want to get revved up over something that's going to bring them more joy, more happiness, more abundance, more wonderful experiences than not? I don't know. I'm going to raise my hand. I want that. So let's talk about 10 types of demotivation and importantly, the strategies that will help you find that fuel that help you re-rev that part of yourself up. So if you need to get out a pen and paper and take some notes, I'm also going to encourage you to download and save this podcast. So in case you can't, you don't have a pen and paper right now to write this down, but you can at least listen to it while you're driving, working out, whatever you're doing. Um, then you have it as a reference to go back to because it's, it's, we got a lot of value here for you. So number one, you're demotivated by fear. When you're afraid, even if you're entering territory that you've chosen to move into, a part of you is determined to avoid going forward. Fear slows you down and makes you hesitant and cautious, which can be beneficial to you, but sometimes your fears are based on your imagination rather than on an accurate assessment of the risk in your reality. If your fear is big enough, even if you're super excited about moving forward, that part of you that wants to keep you safe can successfully prevent you from going forward into territory that's both desirable and safe. I know we are just wired, amazing humans, aren't we? And some of the stuff that we do to ourselves that we're not even aware. So let's talk about how to get motivated again in this scenario. To get motivated, you need to deal with your fear. Start by naming your fears so that they're out in the open. It's not enough just to say you think you know it in your head. Write that stuff out, say it out loud. When we hear ourselves say things, it hits differently. Remember to say thank you to your fears. I know that may sound crazy, but they serve a purpose, right? They're trying to protect you after all. Then question your fears. Why am I afraid of that happening? What are the chances that that really would happen? Some of your fears will slip away just asking those couple of questions. Look at the fears that are left. What are they telling you about the research you need to do, the gaps you need to fill, and the risk management strategies you need to put in place? Honor that wisdom 
by putting it into your plan. Finally, consider breaking down the changes into smaller steps and focusing on just the next small steps. This will calm your fears. This will also help build confidence in, hey, I am safe. You know, it's not quicksand. I'm not going to drown. We need to do those little things for ourselves. Number two, you're demotivated by setting the wrong goals. Martha Beck, an American author who's also a coach, has a great model for understanding motivation. She explains that we have an essential self and a social self. The essential self is the part of you that's spontaneous and creative and playful. The part that knows what's most important to you. Your social self is the part of you that has been developing since the day you were born. Learning the rules of the tribe and working hard to make sure that you're safe by making you follow the rules, right? Where there's so many unspoken rules that we seem to have when we're growing up because of our observation, our observation of the world around us. When we're very young, we immediately, our brain goes into survival mode and we start labeling things, whether they're safe, whether they're not, whether they're scary, whether they're fun, all of that. And that becomes our rules that we tend to live by for a very long time until we take the time, like something like this, to say, hey, let's look at these rules. Am I the same as I was when I was six months old, 12 months old? Probably not. And so some of those rules are now outdated, antiquated, not applicable to your adult self. And it's a really good time to look at that. We're all surrounded by so many messages that feed into our social selves and we're keen to impress our tribe. I know that that many people say, oh, no, I'm not here to impress anybody. I'm telling you, one of our greatest fears is being kicked out of the tribe. Our tribe is our circle of friends, could be our work life, it could be our family life, it could be anything, our friends, that's our tribe. And yes, we do, for survival reasons, want to be a part of that. So although we may not feel like we're consciously trying to impress them, we are unconsciously trying to stay a part of the tribe. When you feel unmotivated, it's because you're setting goals based purely on what your social self wants. And this is pulling you away from the direction your essential self wants to take you. Your essential self uses demotivation to slow you down and to detach you from the toxic goals you've set. So how do we get motivated again here? Take some time to review your goals. Since your essential self is nonverbal, you can easily assess your essential self through your physical body. Notice how your body responds as you think of each of the goals you're trying to work on. When your body, and particularly your breath, show signs of tightness or constriction, that's a pretty good indication that you're trying to follow toxic goals. If you get a constricted reaction, scrap your current goal and question all your stories about what you should do with your life. 
Question that. Notice what makes you smile spontaneously or lose track of time and set goals related to stuff like that instead. Set goals that make you feel purposeful, that make you feel like you're serving something bigger than yourself, something that's going to bring you joy. Number three, you're demotivated by lack of clarity. When you haven't consciously and clearly articulated what you want, your picture of your future will be vague. We like what's familiar. It's, it's a basic human need that we have. So we resist what's unfamiliar and vague and we stay with the and recreate what's familiar to us, even if it's toxic. If you're not clear about what you want to create, then it makes sense that you'll lack motivation because you'd rather stay with your current familiar reality, again, even if it's not healthy. So how do we get motivated again in this area? If you want to create something different from what you've been experiencing, it's not enough to just know what you don't want. You need to know what you do want. And you need to articulate a clear and specific vision of what you want to create so that you can become familiar with the new outcome and feel comfortable moving forward with it. Take some time to articulate what you want and why you want it. I cannot express this enough. Get out a piece of paper and if you have to start with all the things you don't want, great. Scribble all those down just so that your head rambles it out. And then start getting in and deep diving. Take the time to figure out what it is that you do want. Don't be ashamed of what you want. Release any guilt. This is your life. This is your dream. This is your goal. Not somebody else's. So allow yourself to to dream again, allow yourself to create again, allow yourself to visualize again what kind of life it is you want to have right now moving forward. Number four, you're demotivated by a values conflict. Your values are what's important in your life. If you have values that are conflicted, it means that there are two or more values that are important to you, but you believe that you can't satisfy all of those values in a particular situation. This situation causes you to feel conflicted and pulled in different directions as you try to find ways to get what's important to you. You might have brief spurts of motivation to work on something and then lose motivation and start working on something else Or your motivation might dry up altogether because the effort of dealing with internal conflict quickly tires you out and saps your energy. So how do we get motivated again? You need to unpack your values, conflict, and play mediator. You must get the parts of you that are advocating for different values to play on the same team again. Start with acknowledging the internal conflict. So grab a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle so that you have two columns. Write about the two different directions you feel pulled in. One in each column and summarize it with a statement of what each part wants. Now, pick one column and 
chunk up, meaning go bigger. What does this part want? What does it hope to get as a result of having that? Keep asking the questions and writing your answers until you feel you've hit on the result that this part of you ultimately wants. Now do the same to the other part and notice when you get to the level where the answers and the two columns are the same. Ultimately, all of the parts of you always want the same thing because they're all you. Now that you know what you really want, you can now evaluate the strategies that each part had been advocating for and decide which strategy would work best. I'm also going to, at this point, before I go on, let you know that if this is something that might be a struggle for you, or you're not real clear on this, that you can get in contact with me and let's schedule some time so we can do it. Sometimes it's easier to do this parts uh, exercise with someone else who can help not keep you stuck on loop mode. Because sometimes you can be answering the same question, but you're not actually getting the answer that's getting you to align the two parts. Often, once you're clear on what you really want, you spot new strategies that you hadn't even noticed before. Sometimes by doing this exercise, you find ways to satisfy all your values, but sometimes that's not possible. If you've taken time to think through your values and you've consciously chosen to prioritize a particular value over your other values for a while, this clarity will ease the internal conflict and your motivation will return. Number five, you're demotivated by lack of autonomy. We thrive on autonomy. We all have a decision-making center in our brains and this part of us needs to be exercised. Studies have found that this decision-making center in the brain is underdeveloped in people who have depression. And that if you practice using this part of your brain and making decisions, depression often clears. In Daniel Pink's book, Drive, he writes about the research that shows that when it comes to doing creative work, having some autonomy to decide what we do, when we do it, how we do it, and whom we do it with is core to igniting and sustaining motivation, creativity, and productivity. So how do we get motivated again? Consider how much autonomy you have in relation to the goals you've been trying to pursue. Are there areas where you feel constricted and controlled? Consider how you could gradually introduce more autonomy in your task, time, technique, your location, maybe with your team or your job. And if it has to do with work, have a discussion with your manager and ask for greater autonomy in a few specific areas of your work. Number six, you're demotivated by lack of challenge. Challenge is another crucial ingredient for motivation. When it comes to dealing with challenges, there's a sweet spot. Too great a challenge and the fear becomes too great and saps our motivation. And if the challenge is too small, we quickly get bored and struggle to stay motivated. We're designed to be living, growing creatures. 
and we need constant challenges and opportunity to master new skills. Without challenges, our essential self steps in and demotivates us as a way of telling us that we're, we've been departed from the path and that, it's, that we're on the wrong track. We need to get back on track. So how do we get motivated again? Review your goals and the projects you're working on. Are they challenging you? Are they going to require you to grow in order to achieve them? Or are you treading water in your comfort zone, doing only the things you know you can do? Try tweaking your goals to make them a bit more challenging. Take on projects that will require you to grow and find a new thing or two to learn to stimulate yourself. Number seven, you're demotivated by grief. At the beginning of any change, we go through a phase of wondering if we should or could hang on to the way things were and grieving what we'll be losing if we make significant changes. Confusion, self-doubt, mistrust of the world around us and feeling lost are often common symptoms. And the bigger the change, the more powerful these symptoms. Sometimes we even go through a bit of depression and social withdrawal. Martha Beck calls this phase the death and rebirth phase of change in her book, Finding Your Own North Star. With all the grieving and fearing and feeling lost that go on in this phase, it's normal for your motivation to slow down or dry up. So how do you get motivated again? If you've just experienced a trauma or loss or you're going through a major change and finding that there are days where you're hit hard with this death and rebirth symptoms, don't try to make yourself motivated and proactive. You can't rush grieving or undo all of the, your old life and ways of thinking and skip this process and go straight into dreaming and planning. It, it doesn't work that way. You need to give yourself space for nurturing and reflection. Great time for dialing in your self-care, your gratitude journaling. Look, after your body, give your body some good food and some rest and some physical movement. Express your grief or confusion and or fears with people who can listen lovingly. Spend time in nature and with calm, loving people to center yourself. Accept every feeling and thought you have. They're all normal. They're part of life, and it's okay to feel them. Take one day at a time and go easy on yourself. Confusion, forgetfulness, and clumsiness are all normal in this stage. The grieving will end when it's ready, and if you relax into it and express your grief, it will be sooner rather than later that it releases itself. Number eight, you're demotivated by loneliness. This is especially important one for those who work alone or from home. You know, those days when you feel a bit cabin feverish, 
you just don't feel like working and you'd rather be out having coffee with a friend or going out dancing or something? Well, perhaps it's because we're designed to be social creatures. And sometimes your essential self is just longing for some connection with other people. Your essential self hijacks your work motivation so that you'll take a break from work and go spend some time with other people. So how do you get motivated? Take a break and go spend some time with some people and enjoy yourself. You may be surprised at the motivating impact this has and find yourself much more clear and productive when you return to your work. And then look for ways that you can begin to build more networking and joint venturing into your work, especially if you're working from home. Too much isolation is really not a good thing. And if nothing else, we can see the aftermath of that of COVID. And I'm not blaming that as an excuse. We all went through that experience. None of us had all of the right answers on how to get through that period of our times. But in hindsight, we're looking back and seeing how, you know, it weighed on us mentally in our health and our wealth and all of that through a lot of isolation. So is it any wonder that now is a great opportunity to get back out, start meeting some new people, start going out and having some fun, start making some connections, rebuilding relationships if you want them, or making new relationships. Number nine, you're demotivated by burnout. I tend to attract overachieving type A people. And as a recovering type A myself, I know that sometimes we're going on about wanting to get more done even after we've exceeded the limit on what's sustainable. We work like machines for like the same as two or three people, right? But then that's normal to us. And if you're feeling tired all the time, you've lost your energy for socializing, and the idea of taking a snooze sounds more compelling than stuff you're usually interested in, then uh, you've probably pushed yourself a little too hard. And you may be a little burned out. Your essential self will always work to motivate you to move towards what you most need. So if you're burned out and needing sleep, your essential self may even zap the motivation from the things that you're usually really ignited about just to get you to meet your core needs again. So how to get motivated? Sleep. Sleep, 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 my friend. And I don't and I know for type A people that's tough for us because we're like, no way, if I sleep, ah, the world's gonna go on without me or I'll fall behind. No, you will not. It's all right. Give yourself a break. Give yourself a nap. And then when you're done sleeping and the quality of your thinking has been restored, check back in with your essential self about what's most important to you. Start building sustainable ways to do more of what's important to you. It's about balance. Number 10, you're demotivated by fuzzy next steps. Your end goal might be nice and clear, but if you haven't taken time to chunk it down into smaller goals, you'll get stuck, confused, and even unmotivated when it's time to take action. Some projects are small and familiar enough that they don't need a plan, 
But if you're often worrying about that, you don't know what to do next, or you don't have a clear plan, then this might be the source of your demotivation. So how do we get motivated again? If you want to keep your motivation flowing steadily through all stages of your projects, take time to create clear project plans. This includes your health, your wealth, your fitness, your nutrition, all of that, your relationships, and yes, your career, your work. And schedule plans into your calendar. Also make sure you're marking these tasks off when you complete them because you need to see results as you go. This helps keep you going. So as we begin to wrap up this week's episode, understand that goal setting, planning, organizing, and accountability structures are often touted as the big solution to demotivation and the silver bullet that will get you creative and productive. The truth is, as you've learned today, it's a useful strategy for dealing with some types of demotivation. Pinpoint your unique form of demotivation and start to tackle it in a specific way. And I promise you, you'll be refueled, revived, and fired up once again. If you found this helpful or know someone who could use a little extra support along the way, I encourage you to reach out and schedule some time with me. I'm also going to encourage you to share and follow this podcast as a new episode comes out every week. Lastly, I'd like to share with you ways that you can connect with me and or schedule time with me. I'm on Instagram at Ask Dr. Kelly Ray. Dr. Kelly Ray is spelled D-R-K-E-L-L-Y-R-A-E. I'm on Facebook at Dr. Kelly Ray B, B as in brown. I'm on TikTok at Dr. Kelly Ray. My website is drkellyray.com. My email is drkellyray at gmail.com. Until next week, please know I send you so much love.